Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories Then and Now on 90.1 FM KSRQ. And yes, we are beyond the FM dial. We stream our audio worldwide. You can listen to us live and in the moment on noon Sundays at RadioNorthland.org. You can listen to us on the TuneIn Radio app and also at Radio Free America. It's free. It's good. Uh, hi, Glenn Broggett with you. And yes, we do archive our episodes at RadioNorthland.org. Uh, yeah, and we are here once again with another edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now. And I'm so very, uh, very pleased to uh, welcome back my co-host, my partner in crime, uh, the man down there in the mobile studio, deep in the heart of Texas, a man who, as uh, we record today, has got some good mojo, and I hope he can share that mojo with, with me and our guest as well. I'm talking about the grizzled vet himself, Mr. Mike McCurdy. Mike, my friend, welcome you and your good mojo today to Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Oh, thank you, man. You're right. I got some great mojo going, so hopefully we keep the ball rolling and uh, you know we have a good interview today. But, man, I just want to say something real quick. You know, At the time of this recording right now, it, it, I am I is sad to say this, man, but the world is now saying goodbye to the Big Bang Theory. And I'm pretty sure most of our fans, most wrestling fans, you have seen this show at least once or twice. Twelve seasons, great episode. No no harm to our guests, but I'm looking forward to after the interview so I can run in home and, and, and see how they say goodbye. I'm looking forward to this. So, You want to know something straight shoot, Mike? Straight What's shoot, that? straight shoot. Never seen it. Never seen a single episode. Not. I don't have a beef with it. Okay, mind you, because usually uh, when somebody doesn't watch a show, they're like, "Well, what's wrong? You got a problem with it? Got an issue with it?" No, it's just one of those shows that never worked because I had other things I was watching and I didn't latch on, and then it got to be where too many people were latching on, and then I didn't want to feel like a poser. It's just all this inner crap, you know. But I never watched an episode. <laughs> but 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 of course, but you know, like the old uh, Stephen Stills Neil Young song, "Long May You Run," Big Bang Theory into syndication. And buttloads of money for those uh, stars. Oh yeah, we'll we'll be watching this show. You know, twenty years down the road, it's going to be like Mash and All in the Family. It'll be on TV Land and Me TV twenty four seven. You know, that'll probably uh, be the time I watch. And I'm about seventy five years old, sitting down in the villages in Florida, uh, watching my Big Bang. <laughs> I, I have a feeling <laughs> that so uh, nothing is ever set in stone for me not to watch something. Because sometimes, you know, I get a little persnickety about things when I'm watching. You know, there's, there's even people who come by through the years. I, I've missed out on movies because somebody has overhyped something or a couple of people have just like, just put that smell out there. And I just, ugh, I, I couldn't watch it. And it's been good stuff, too. You know, so I'm speaking about things that I've negatively been away from that are good. I have yet to watch, and I'm a big Martin Scorsese fan, but I had so many people kind of kill for me because they went and saw it before me. And, and then they were over talking and over, oh, just over analyzing it was the Parted. I still haven't seen that movie. It's the one he won the Oscar. I've seen all the other ones he's done, but that one, it's weird. Well, you know, we're on the same boat. I haven't seen that one myself. Seen a lot of the others, but not not that one. Isn't that crazy? The one he actually wins the Oscar, and here we are. You know, we we you know we love them in you know Goodfellas, Casino, you know uh, Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, you know all those good movies. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The one he wins, we we both. I think we're, we should be ashamed of ourselves. I think before the twenty twenty, we should both make a concerted effort to get those uh, movies watched. Let, let, let's go, man. Let's host a Facebook watch party. We'll watch it together and figure this out. But you know, Glenn, I mean, you know, we we got a good guest book tonight. You know, and we're talking Oscars. You're talking about Oscar gold. Well, this man himself, our guest tonight, he's, he's got a little bit of gold himself during the times, too. So you like that segue? I like it. I like it a lot, man. Talking about the, uh, the gold to the hardware. That's, that's, you're getting me going now. You're sizzling it up now. What, who is the guest? What is the big stake on the plate here this week? Well, you know, man, our guest, 
major indie star here in the southern regions and all that, but also one of the greatest claims to fame, greatest lineage probably in professional wrestling history, former NWA heavyweight champion. That's right. He held the 10 pounds of gold. He's been featured on the NWA 10 pounds of gold series on YouTube. Our guest tonight on Wrestling Memories In Now, I think our guests are going to enjoy this, our listeners are going to enjoy this, is none other than Tim Storm. Tim, welcome to the show. Mike, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate that introduction, man. Um, you know, it's, well, yes, that, that lineage is important to me, and it makes me happy when it's important to other people. Well, thank you for joining us, Tim. I mean, you and I, we've been talking back and forth about this for probably almost a year now. And, you know, like I said, you're, you're a busy man. You've got indie dates all over the uh, all over the states and all that. So you're kind of a hard man. Well, let's say it this way. You're a hard man to pin down. Well, I'm very, very fortunate and blessed that, uh, you know, I continue to do what I love to do. And um, I, you know, I have a full-time job and I definitely make my, my you know, my weekends and my uh, appearances count. And um, man, that's my happy place, uh, you know, is, is in the ring. So, you know, I've, I've been saying this for five years. I don't know how much longer I'll, I'll be able to do it, but I, I definitely you know, I want to make every, every time I'm in there, I want to make it count. I want to enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, sometimes I, I try, I, I keep a pretty busy schedule and that's a really good thing. Well, definitely. And like I said, I've had a chance to, uh, be at many shows that, you know, you've been on special since I've come out to the, uh, the Texas area and yeah, you don't fail to entertain the fans and you go out there, you give it your all. I mean, if you're here in a match, I got to see you work in at CAC in Las Vegas. I've had a chance to see you here in Texas. I've seen some of your stuff on YouTube. You definitely don't disappoint the fans when you're in the ring. Well, thank you very much. I mean, I, I consider myself an old school guy and, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's funny. I've, I've, I've Jack Dane and I wrestled back to back years uh, at CAC and he posted a picture this week uh, of that match. And it brought back a lot of memories and, um, uh, you know, the, the memories are the physicality of that match. Um, we, we, we took it to each other and, you know, it, but that's when you say, I don't fail to entertain. I, I do appreciate that because, uh, that's what I pride myself on. I'm, uh, and that's the physicality of, of the business. Uh, and I'm glad when it entertains people, uh, that's obviously without the fans, without the people who love the business, without, uh, you know, the, the people that support it, uh, you know, people like this, like this show. I mean, it's, it's, if the fans aren't entertained in some way, um, you know, we would just be guys out there not even entertaining ourselves, just beating ourselves up for nothing. So it's, that's why we do it. And I'm glad that there are fans out there that appreciate uh, my style. At least I know it's not for everybody, but I do know that some people appreciate it. Well, speaking of old school, you know, we're going to talk about Jack Dane a little bit here on our show because, you know, you've had a few encounters with him. Uh, But I want to go back a little bit. You're talking old school. What was the first? What was your first memory? What got you into professional wrestling? What hooked you? What was it that you saw that you went, "I want to do this"? I guess part of it, and I'm going to say I was fortunate, but I grew up in a town called Pine Bluff, Arkansas, which is I don't know, maybe 45 miles south of Little Rock, kind of centrally located. And because of where we were located, um, you know, and this was. I guess early days as far as TV, we had more than the four channels, but you know we had Superstation, we had uh, you know the the big Texas station. So every Saturday growing up, and you know I I got the opportunity to watch 
in the mornings I got Memphis wrestling, um, you know, with Waller and Dundee and, and all those guys. And then in the afternoon I got Georgia championship wrestling, which was a big NWA hotspot. You know, I got, uh, I got flair and the horsemen and I got the road warriors and, uh, you know, Dr. Death. And then at night I got the sportatorium and, you know, seeing those three things and those three different styles, um, I just thought that was the, the, the greatest thing in the world. Um, and now I got a really late start in actually getting into the business, but the, the, the pleasure that it brought me, the joy that it brought me to, to watch it never left. And I remember, you know, going at that point, I was, you know, at, at that point in my life, I was, I was married. I had two kids. I had a house payment. I had a job. And I remember, you know, telling, you know, telling my wife that, you know, this is something I've always wanted to do. And she said, no, you haven't. You've never even mentioned this. And, you know, and truthfully, probably to her, I never did. But the love and the passion, uh, the, the desire to, to at least give it a shot uh, had been there for a long time. So it, you know, that, that my first memory uh, was Danny Hodge and doing a, and, a, and again, I'm sure now we've seen it a, a, you know, a dozen times and it's been done by some of the biggest names in the business, but he lost a loser leaves town match and came back under a black mask and everybody knew it was him, uh, but nobody could get the mask off of him. And that's my first memory. And, and that's, you know, that's where my love of wrestling started. And also, you know, I, I grew up loving, you know, you know, wrestling too, and Mil Mascaras and those guys that wore masks. I thought that was pretty amazing too. Well, you know, you're mentioning Danny Hodge, Mascaras, you know, Lawler, Dundee, and the three territories you got to watch on a Saturday. That's a whole plate of old school wrestling right there. That is some amazing stuff. As a historian, man, you just kind of like let my whistle. I want to go in and watch a little bit of this now because that's golden stuff. And that is the stuff that, you know, I think nowadays a lot of fans don't, remember or don't realize and all because you know with the advent of wwe network yeah they could see it but that's a lost history man but that is an amazing that's an amazing background to have and, and it's like you know maybe at the time i don't think i know i know i didn't i didn't appreciate what i was seeing because that's what i was seeing now we look back and we see the names that are on those different you know the, the stars from that different list and and you know it's a it's it's a great list of amazing men in the history of this business that were at the top of the game. Now you, you mentioned you guys started you know later in the game as far as uh, getting into wrestling all that married on. Um, why did you decide that you know you want to get in the ring be a you know and try it out in the ring and you know who did you go to for training who did you work with and you know what what was training like at, at that time. Because a lot of guys nowadays, well, I, they're a more younger group when they break into the, the sport. <clears throat> and I, I think that, you know, well, now as I continue to get older, uh, you know, there was a time in my life when I looked at that and thought, well, maybe starting late benefited me from a physical standpoint. Um, you know, maybe I t- maybe not taking those bumps at 19 and 20 and 21, uh, you know, later on helped with my longevity. But I didn't start until I was 30. Um, which is when a lot of guys are getting out or have, you know, kind of have hit their stride. Uh, I don't have any regrets as far as when I started, but I always look back and, and you think, what if? Because, you know, had I started when I was 18, um, you know, nobody knows if you'd be successful or not, but there's all, you know, there's the chance. That was the, that was the, kind of that last run of the territories. Um, 
you know, before it was before New York took over everything. And, and that's, that's who was running at that point. And I, I look back now and think, okay, what if, but I wouldn't do anything different. Um, I, I had mentioned to a friend of mine, I had tried a lot of different things. I've always been, I'm super competitive. I've always been a pretty decent athlete and been fairly successful. I've, you know, played college football for a while and, um, a lot of competitive different, you know, competed in a lot of different things. And I, was I decided, you know, I said, I just, I just want to try something different. And I mentioned to a friend of mine, uh, you know, I, I, I really just feel like I really want to try wrestling. And I contacted uh, WCW Power Plant at the time. And ironically, you know, their their age limit was 30. You're supposed to be 30 and under. And don't get me wrong, they would have taken my money, uh, you know, and let me come in for a tryout without a doubt. But I, I I would have also, I had a job as a vice president of a company and um, I was not at a point where I wanted to walk away from, you know, my job. I felt like I needed, I was, you know, obviously I owed that to my family uh, to keep paying the bills. But a friend of mine said, well, I saw this ad on TV. Um, he said, he said, I'm going to be real honest. He said, the quality of the production wasn't very good, but they advertised a wrestling school. And uh, the guy that I it was the guy that was running the promotion. The guy that I trained with is, is a you know only the only the true old school historians will have heard of him. But uh, it's a guy named Bill Ash, and he wrestled as the Professor uh, Wild Bill Ash. A couple things, and he he was a he was a cruiserweight now, with, you know what we would consider a cruiserweight. But he was a champion in every territory and and every major organization, you know, except maybe except maybe New York. And you talk about old school training. It was as old school as you could get. Um, you know, the, the ring was inside a building where you couldn't stand on the, you could barely stand on the second rope without hitting your head. You definitely couldn't stand on the top rope, which kind of explains, you know, the ground game and, and how we became more physical, the guys that trained with him, because there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of, uh, you, know, at, you know, stuff off the top rope because you couldn't climb up there. But it was, it was physical. It was brutal. He would start with, here's the hold, and here's how you break somebody's arm. Now, here's how you can protect them and not break their arm. And, and every hold was legitimate, and you saw both sides to it. Um, and it was, it was extremely physical. Um, but again, I, I got a really good basis of the uh, of, of basics of psychology and how to work. And, and then I, when I moved to the Dallas area, uh, I trained with another group of guys and got kind of the other side to it, more of a, uh, more of a, a Japan uh, lucha style. Not that I run that style, but that I trained that way too. So I got a little bit of both sides, which I think has benefited me over the years. Now, who did you train with in the uh, Dallas area? Uh, there was a group of guys that had started uh, an outreach kind of ministry type thing. And I came in and started training. I mean, I helped with the training and then really realized early, early on that, um, you know, I needed to be learning more than I needed to be teaching. Uh, but because the, it was a, it was a group of guys that most of them were still in college. Um, but there was a group here in the Dallas area that had a local, you know, TV time slot that was extremely good, uh, called PCW professional championship wrestling. And we, you know, some of those guys came over and worked with us and we worked with them and we did some shows with them. And eventually eventually that became my home base as far as, you know, where I was doing most of my, most of my work. Um, one of the most talented locker rooms I've ever been in. Um, I mean, 
it, you there it, every night you were wrestling or every night, you know, they would, they wasn't a nightly thing, but it was two nights a week. You were wrestling some of the top guys, not just in the, in Texas, but you know, from, from States all over. Um, and a lot of guys that the wrestling Texas now started there and have done really, really well. So, um, you know, it's, it, it was, it, it surprised me over the years as we would move from place to place, you know, show to show, I'd look around in the locker rooms 10 years ago and, and nine times out of 10, the top guys at the top of the card were guys that were in that locker room because they were just that good. Now, <clears throat> for our, for our listeners, you know, who may not know, um, I've gotten to know more about PCW the time it came on, but as you said, it was a very time locker. But from what I understand, I believe I've heard, you know, AJ Styles worked uh, PCW shows. Lance Hoyt, uh, Lance Archer right. you know, from Japan also worked. At the P- so the PCW locker room, from what I've been told and what I've seen, was actually a pretty wide array of talent. Like you said, guys just not local, but from, you know, out of the areas, because, you know, you look now, AJ Styles, WWE champion, Lance Hoyt, obviously, you know, his work, you know, everybody knows the man, but PCW kind of had a really talented locker room at that time. Yeah, and, and you know, Red Dog, Rodney, uh, Jazz, um, Mike Fox, Cedric Crane, Scott Putsky, um, and that's just, I mean, I'm, you know, anytime you start naming names, you're leaving a bunch of guys out, but it, the, 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 the list of guys, like I said, on any given night, you could look around that locker room and there was some amazing talent there of all sizes, shapes and styles. And they did a great job of booking. We were on, you know, local cable TV and the production value was outstanding. Um, and it was a, you know, I, I want to say it was a, for me personally, it was a great place to learn because, you know, when you're in the ring with that type of talent, you basically either need to, you know, raise your game and, and meet that level or get left behind. And, you know, it, I was, I was fortunate to get to work with a lot of those guys. Now, after, you know, you've gone through your training and all that, what do you remember about, you know, your, your first match, you know, who was your opponent? You know, what were you kind of feeling when you walked out for that first time in front of the crowd? The first match that I had, um, was a tag match and it was with one of the guys who had trained us and two and, and the th- other three of us were guys that were training. And it, I remember having the match thinking, okay, you know, not, I never felt lost in it, but I remember getting to the end of the match and, and I mean, literally crawling through the curtains and the guy, you know, I had no, idea how hard it was going to be not necessarily yes athletically but the cardio that it requires i it that concept was beyond me i had no idea and the guy looked at me and he said he goes hey you know for your first match that wasn't bad and i went well i've been waiting 18 years you know to do it i i i'm glad that it wasn't bad because you know when you like I said, I had, I had a love for wrestling early on and I, I never knew that I was going to have, you know, that I was going to be able to do it or that I would be able to do it even passively. Uh, but we, I think when you get in and you start training, you know, your, your first goal is I just want to have a match and then I just want to have another match. You know I mean? It, it keeps, it just starts building and building and building. You know, when I, when I got into, when I started training, I would be lying if I said, 
when I tr- I'm training because I want to be the NWA world's champion. You know, that, that was beyond any goal that I had that set. Uh, I wanted to wrestle. I wanted to get better and I wanted opportunities and try to just continue to grow. Now you mentioned, you know, your first match, you're calling back to the locker room, your cardio and all that. Uh, one thing I've heard from many wrestlers over the years, and I've gone through California, Portland, you know, been up to Canada and they've all kind of said the same thing. There's a difference between being in shape and being in ring shape. Cause you see guys like, you know, playboy buddy Rose, you see some of the, you know, SD Rose, they don't have the physique and they're not the, and you got to think their cardio is not great, but those guys could go for a long Absolutely. period of time in the shape they're in. Well, and, and you named, uh, I mean, Buddy Rose is one of the, the greatest bumpers, you know, in the business. And growing up, Dusty Rose is who I wanted to be. Uh, now, I remember, you know, watching, watching his matches. And I'll be honest, it, for the most part, it never occurred to me that he didn't have a great physique because he was just that charismatic and that good. Um, but you're right. It's, and the, that's the funny thing is I remember talking to guys when I was training early on and I was like, how do I prepare for this? How do I, you know, what can I do? I, um, and and they kept saying, there's, there's almost no way to replicate the, you know, the requirements in the ring, except by being in the ring. Probably the closest I've, that I have found over the years is running stadiums, you know, running bleachers, because um, it's it's all about explosive, quick bursts of speed, and you know, and then slowing it down a little bit, and and a lot of that ability to be able to handle that comes with experience, uh, knowing you know, knowing how to pace a match, and knowing uh, when 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 you're feeling it, and you go, okay, I'm feeling, you know, I'm starting to feel it, and knowing how to handle that. Um, plus the fact that, you know, a lot of guys that adrenaline gets going, that, that was a lot to do with my first match. That adrenaline was pumping so hard that, um, you know, that takes, that takes your breath away. And all of that, all of that comes with experience. Um, the more you do it, the better it is, the easier it gets, I hope, and the better we get at it. So you just look for opportunities to get in and do that. But you're right. Those guys, I mean, Dusty Rhodes could go 60 minutes with anybody. Most definitely. I'm going to pass the mic over to Glenn now. Glenn, I think we've kind of, you know, maybe, you know, wet your whistle a little bit. You know, you've heard some names. You might have a few questions for our guest today. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, I'll just ask a couple of questions before I, I bring it back to you, Mike. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about a company you had an affiliation with uh, around 2010 uh, that I got a chance, uh, thanks to, to cable television, was able to watch up here in, in, in northwestern Minnesota. I want to talk about, or have you talk, tell us about, uh, your run in traditional championship wrestling down there in, in Arkansas. Uh, could you talk about uh, how uh, you ended up with with this company and, and uh, some of the people you worked with uh, in uh, turn in traditional championship wrestling, most notably Matt Riviera. But tell us how uh, your road, how your path ended up on the road to traditional championship wrestling. Well, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I don't think I don't think traditional championship wrestling gets the credit from a lot of people that just aren't aware of it. You know, earlier I made the statement that I've been very fortunate to be in a couple of locker rooms that were just fantastic. And truthfully in my head, what I was thinking is, uh, TCW is the, is what is the other one. Mm-hmm. So again, it's put together, Matt Riviera, put it together. And here's, here's the irony. Um, Matt and I trained together in Paris, Arkansas. <laughs> so when I, when I said that about those of us who came out of there had a really physical, uh, phys- physical style, 
and a good basis of the psychology of the business, that's who I was talking about. Um, you know, there's a couple other guys that have come out of there and had some had some success, but uh, Matt Matt started in the business probably when he was, I mean, in some regards, at 14 or 15, and has never left. Uh, he's always not only has he not left, but he's he's done everything in the business as far as roles and and TCW was an amazing product as far as the the production value. Uh, the, again, the locker room, the roster of guys, and every one of those was hand handpicked by Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he would travel and wrestle, he knew not only the kind of wrestler he wanted, because our style, traditional championship wrestling, was an old school, physical style, and that and and it took a certain kind of person to come into our locker room and be accepted. And he picked guys from literally all over the country, um, and would bring those in on a monthly basis, and we would shoot three or four uh, episodes on a Saturday, sometimes on a Saturday and Sunday. And I am, I am very, very proud of the product we put out. Um, and I'm, and I'm very, again, I'm very fortunate to, to have been a part of that and been at kind of at the forefront of that uh, as, as kind of the face of the company off and on. But it was uh, I'm like, I'm, and I didn't know you got it up in Minnesota. That's, that's amazing. I know that it was, I know that it was nationwide at times and also available in other countries. And it still surprises me because sometimes it's still on TV in certain areas. Now it's called uh, TCW classics, but I'll have somebody come up to me and, and it's still on TV in some areas. And that's been what, six years ago or or so that we, that we were doing the the tapings of it. So, uh, but man, again, that locker room and it was mostly our guys, guys that he had picked and grew that grew, you know, developed their not developed physically, but developed the characters and the talent and became our own persona with, with TCW. And then he would mix in, you know, guys that had been around for a while, like, you know, Tommy Dreamer and uh, Diamond Dallas Page. I mean, he would bring some of those guys in, but for the most part, people were coming to see our talent. Uh, and I think that should be the goal of every company. I think you should develop your own guys and, those should be your draw. And anybody you bring in addition to that is, is a plus. Oh, yeah. TCW. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I like the blend uh, that was on that on that roster and the way that it wasn't so overly reliant on uh, some stars to, you know, for the for the most part, some of these veterans, they did come in from time to time. I, I can remember uh, uh, Bobby Eaton was a part of it for for a brief moment. Uh, there was uh, Matt Hardy, uh, Matt Bourne for a while with the Born Again character. And heck, you even got one of our Minnesota guys to do some uh, announcing work, uh, Ken Resnick. So, yeah, there's a few guys that were sprinkled in that that people knew well but it was also an emphasis on just how good and how you know just how great the talent was and, and what a good place it was to cultivate some of that talent in in that part of, of the country well and, and you named some of the guys here's here's some of the background of that is uh you know bobby bobby was actually um you know helped helped with with was was kind of not booking matches but uh, an agent in the back and to have somebody with that experience in the back at every show that you could come up and say, you know, he would say, and he's such a nice guy. And I know everybody says that, but he'd say, well, you know, if you, you know, you know, Bobby, what'd you see? Well, you know, you did really good. Uh, Bobby, what'd you see? And then he would tell you, and you learn from that. And then, you know, Ken Resnick has, we, Chris Cruz, Ken Resnick were guys that, that did some color commentary, some play by play who have been in every organization and, you know, 
talk about making you look good. Those guys can make you look and sound good. And then you mentioned Matt. Um, man, I have been very fortunate in this business to build relationships with guys who, um, and this is one of the things that's kind of missing for young guys today, is, is being on the road with those kind of guys. And Matt and I became really good friends and travel partners. And, you know, I remember at one point, one of the, one of the first couple of trips we made, I remember sitting there just listening and trying to learn and, and thinking, how many guys get the opportunity to sit and listen and ask questions to a guy who was on what WrestleMania one, um, just a, and he kind of took me under his wing and i tell people this, you know, <laughs> he didn't have to do that. You know, that's the amazing thing is, um, uh, Matt took me under his wing, not just professionally, but personally. And he would call and say, Hey, I got you booked on this show. Here's what you're making. I want you to set up, you know, I mean, he's just, just a great guy. Um, but then you picked, you picked two or three of the guys that for, at least for me were key in learning. And that, that's the, that's one of the great things about this business is those guys who have been there and done things are when, once they see that you're serious and you work hard and, and you're sincere about what you want to do, um, will invest in you and, you know, try to pass on some of that knowledge. And, and Matt and I worked a series of matches, um, as you know, as, as, I can't remember what, like you said, born again or Matt, maybe they doink. That's what they, at one point they were calling him was, was boink or something. They changed it just a little bit for copyright laws, mm-hmm. but, uh, what a great way to get in the ring with a guy and just learn. And anyway, it's you, you push two good buttons there for me. Those are great guys. <laughs> this is wrestling memories then and now with our guest, Tim storm. And we are talking about traditional championship wrestling. And we uh, talked about some of the, the veterans that were able that have had, had passed through there from time to time during the run of TCW. But I really want to talk about uh, and go back to the guys that were the mainstays, the guys that were picked to, uh, to, to kind of be the all around company. Uh, you know, when, when the vets came, that was great, but the, these are the guys that built the foundation. Let's talk about some of the guys that you really enjoyed working in the ring with, uh, from the roster that, uh, you know, some people may not know too well in some parts of the country, but some people that you can remember that, uh, definitely deserve their due for, uh, not only, uh, you know, helping, uh, you, know, you and also just, you know, pro wrestling in general. Yeah. And I, you know, again, anytime you, anytime you start making lists of guys, it'll leave somebody out. Uh, it's, but I, but there are some guys that deserve to be recognized. Um, there was a tag team and I'm drawing a blank on the tag team and the guys I'm not drawing, but Alan Steele and, and Mr. Saturday night, Michael Berry, uh, genetic perfection is what they were called. And both those guys really talented, very, I mean, on the mic, they, they kind of, they kind of embodied almost the old school, uh, on boy. And one of them's going to ask me which one's Ole, but kind of the Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson type thing where, mm-hmm. um, they were super physical in the ring, great ring skills, you know, and, and anytime you got into a tag match with those guys or a singles match, you just knew it was going to be money. Um, Sigmund had a great run down there as, you know, and boy, again, I, I still talk to him. He's going to get mad at me if he hears me call him undersized, but he's, you know, he's not a, he's not a big guy, but super talented. And he had a series of matches with uh, Vordell Walker, a best of seven series where they just, just about killed each other. Um, it, it, you know, and obviously Matt Riviera with, 
with his whole, he had his whole group of guys. There was a group of guys that, uh, I think they were called the, what the family or the Boyd exchange, but you know, they, I'm drawing a blank right now on the guy's name, but he's very well known in, in Memphis. He was with impact. He did some WCW stuff. Uh, and then they put, uh, a local guy with him and they became a tag team that was again, just really, really good. He called it, his new gimmick was, was Cerebus. Um, and then they, they, we, we had a seven footer out of Florida that was with them. Um, anyway, it, it all of those guys. And I got to work singles matches with all those guys. Uh, as I, Shane, uh, King Shane, you know, from, from the Memphis area was super good. We had great matches and there was literally, there was not a weak guy on the roster. There was not one guy on the roster that, you know, that, that if you got in there, you weren't going to have a great match with. Uh, and, and Matt and his couple of guys, Greg Anthony, who is one of the most talented, I, I don't know. I don't know now if he's unknown, but uh, underrated talents uh, could have great, have great matches with anybody. But those guys, as a, you know, the the personalities, the combinations of guys, the way that they would put, you know, what I would almost consider old school uh, factions together and build those build those factions as a personality was unbelievable. And it just got it seemed like every month we would it would got better and better, and then we would challenge each other because you go out and watch Jason Kincaid, you know, have a match with with who Barrett Brown or whoever, and they would tear the house down. And you know that you had to follow that or that you were the main event on the first show and you better step up, you know, and it, it just, that competition was incredibly healthy. And I won't say it made guys work harder, but we all take pride in what we do. And man, it just, it was, it was a great atmosphere. It had to have been extremely uh, disappointing when uh, TCW had to shut down, considering uh, how many years that, that were put into the company and and some of the guys that really started to uh, find themselves in, in, in that in that place. And, and you know, with another thing, when it shut down, it meant just another company that, that turned out the lights that had had such promise. That must have just been extremely just disappointing. I mean, considering just what was being built there. Yeah, disappointing. But you know, it's it, wrestling in the big picture. Things is still a business and. And I think the owner, uh, you know, had, he definitely had set goals and reached most of his goals except for, you know, the, this is, this is where we want to get financially. And, you know, it, it's kind of like when we talked about PCW, when you look at TCW, for me at least, it's, it's one of those things where I don't think anybody truly appreciates what's there until you're not there anymore. And, and once you step away from it and you are working other places and, you know, then you look and go, wow, you know, I, I guess I just didn't realize how good everybody was, you know, or, or how good the production was or how great the venues were. You know, it, it's not until those things are gone that, that I think you truly appreciate what you had. And that's sad. You know, I'm, it's kind of like, it's kind of like owning a house. And then when you get ready to sell it, you put a bunch of money into it to, to make it look great. Well, you know, wonder why I didn't do that when I was living there. Um, and that's kind of the way I look at that is you look at that and go, you know, I know I did everything I could to help make it successful. And I know that it was a benefit to me. It made me more, um, more marketable and more, more successful. 
and even today, I, like like I said earlier to start this, it's I don't think uh, Matt and the ownership and the crew get the credit from a lot of people because when you bring up organizations, that's one that usually doesn't come up. But you know, and I'm glad you did. Uh, it was it was really good. I'm going to uh, pass the mic back over to uh, the grizzled vet, Mike McCurdy. And uh, I guess we can kind of move along the trail here for Tim's story that uh, with all things moving on towards the uh, National Wrestling Alliance. Uh, Mike, I'm going to let you uh, handle this uh, segment of questioning. Almost definitely. Um, I would like to share a little something, though. You know, we've been talking about Matt Riviera, who I need to get in contact with Matt and see if he'd come on our show because Matt Riviera's name has come up multiple times uh, during interviews on this show. But Funny story, when I first met Matt, it was, I think, 2014, maybe 2013. I'd seen him at CAC before, but I finally got to meet him 2014 at a, a show here in Texas, in um, Fort Worth at the Sendera Center. I used to put on a show. That's when I first got to meet, you know, Matt Riviera. I did not know about traditional championship wrestling. I knew Matt from being on Megan Once a Millionaire. I recognized him from Megan Once a Millionaire, and I told him that. And he's all, man, you know, you watching TCW, watching Drew's. I'm like, well, I've never seen TCW. He goes, give me your email. I sent him an email. Next thing I know, I got a list of links for all these different matches I can go watch. So I watched him, loved the product. Next time I saw him, he comes up to me. He goes, please tell me you watch TCW, and you don't just know me for Megan Once a Millionaire. I was like, Matt, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) He's one of those guys that, that continues to set goals in different areas and um and meets them you know i mean he wanted to do the reality tv show and he did he did a couple of different ones you know and i guess you know the fact that whether or not he won those things or anything else the fact that you you know the fact that you set that goal and reach it is is pretty impressive you know i don't i'm not sure i would ever set that as a goal but he said it and he did it you know so that's impressive to me so we are going to move along here now. We're going to go into, uh, as you know, Glenn said, the National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA. Um, two names that I think, in my opinion, you're kind of synonymous with you in the NWA would be, one, Jack Stane. Cause that's the man that you were selected. You're the one who took the title from Jack Stane in Sherman, Texas. I, I might add, local been there a few times. Uh, Langman's a great promoter. And also another name that I'd like to discuss after Jack's, and that is James Beard, because I know you have a great friendship with James. But first, let's talk a little bit about Jack Stane and your rise to the top and actually getting to be the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Well, I mean, I mean I'll mean, i start by saying Jack's is the real deal. Um, he did a great job as, as the NWA World's Champion, and, you know, it's one of those things where when you get it, I don't think anybody really wants to let it go, uh, you know, because it's, it, it the the history the legacy that comes with it regardless of where you know the the NWA is or was at the time is important but from a personal standpoint you know to be a part of that to have an opportunity at that I remember I remember my first year in the wrestling business going up into literally the the northern hills of Arkansas and working for a company that was calling themselves NWA something and to me. That was amazing. I mean, to me, in my mind, and I'm sure it probably didn't even stand for National Wrestling Alliance up there, you know. But they were just, uh, they were just using the letters. And but I remember being so excited because I was going to get to wrestle for the NWA. And I 
a couple of years before locking up with, you know, or meeting and then working with Jax, I, with, you know, like you said, with, with Robert up there in, in Texoma, he had the, when I first met him, he had the NWA Oklahoma and the NWA Texoma uh, franchises for the NWA. So I got to work with both of those and, and be champions for both of those. And, and through Robert uh, Langdon and, and Texoma and that NWA franchise, I, I started kind of building that. And Jax, when Jax is absolutely the real deal, he, you know, for, I don't know if he's still, you know, now he's part of the War Kings, but he was, he, at the time he was calling himself Godzilla and that's pretty close. He, he's a monster. Um, Jax and I knew that anytime we got in the ring together, it was going to be extremely physical. And, you know, he beat me. I, I can't tell you how many times he beat me before uh, that last Texoma match. And the truth is that's the kind of champion that he was. You know, he had defended it or he beat, uh, was it, uh, was it Kojima that he beat or was it, I can't remember who he beat for the title right now, but uh, it was a major Japanese star. Um, but, you know, he beat me up. Or we, I, we beat each other up twice in Las Vegas, once in Mississippi, uh, a couple other places, and it came down to the point where he didn't have to give me that rematch uh, at Texoma. And, and he definitely didn't have to come into my, my home you know, my home field, my home court advantage, and, and knowing that the fans were going to be behind me and do that uh, again, and he did. That's the kind of champion he is. He was willing to put it on the line again. So, it, you know, it was a, it was a pleasure to, uh, to get in the ring with him, and we still joke about it. I mean, matter of fact, the other guy you brought up, uh, James has been joking with us both in the last three or four days about um, how, how brutal physically we were in those matches and, um, you know, how he, he laughs and says that, well, and, and this is absolutely not true for me, but, you know, he said, it's almost like you guys don't feel any pain because of how, you know, how you're roughing each other up in there. We just kind of laughed about it, but, uh, you know, Jay, J, Jax is a class act and was a great champion. It was a pleasure to get to work with him and even, and even a bigger honor to, to be able to win that. Nobody like that. Now, how was it when, I'm sorry. When you uh, when it was decided that you were going to uh, defeat Jack, you were going to become the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. You know, you've said a few times during this interview, you're old school. You know, so obviously the NWA is definitely an old school, and there's a great lineage if you look at the champions of it. How did you feel personally and professionally knowing that you were going to be added to a list of such amazing men that held that title? You know, it it was it was, and even today, it's still. I, it, I don't know if overwhelming is the right word. Humbling is definitely the word. And I've, I've tried to be very clear where, you know, I can't think there is no higher honor for me. There literally is not a higher honor for me than to be able to do that. And when you look at that list of guys, it's without a doubt a who's who of professional wrestling. And I would never, I would never be, so arrogant to say that my name belongs on the list talent wise with those guys. Um, Cause you're literally talking about the group, some of the, you know, the, the Harley races and dusty roads and uh, you know, Rick Flair, who, you know, we hope is doing better today, but you know, uh, Dory Funk. And I mean, that list is just amazing. I mean, if you go, even if you come further down, if you go sting and Ricky steamboat and AJ styles, I mean, those guys, 
that's a who's who of professional wrestling. And, um, but I will say that I knew that night, my, my big thought was once they put the belt around my waist, they can never, they will never take my name off that list. Uh, and I think, you know, at the time it didn't occur to me, um, as this next part, because I literally, I broke down in tears when they, you know, when they put the belt on me because it meant that much to me and it was not, it was legitimate emotion. Um, and then later on, you know, as, as I started defending the title and hearing things and, and somebody said, somebody made the comment that it was, they believed that it was originally going to be like the gold watch on my career. That it was like a pat on the back. Hey, you've done a good job. Um, uh, nobody saw it, including me, nobody saw that as being a, you know, a run that would grow to, you know, over a year and then, and then transition into the into the new ownership of the NWA. And then, like you said earlier with the 10 pounds of gold and, and it just kept kind of growing and building and somehow it might've, if it was intended as a pat on the back, it ended up being, you know, not many, not many of us in this business can say at that point I was 53, that at 53 years old, we got, uh, you know, maybe the biggest push of our life. Uh, that's a, that is an amazing, great thing to be able to be a part of. Now, during your run as the NWA champion, who are some of the, uh, the men that you got a chance to, you know, defend the title against? Well, and, and, Obviously, when you, any any time you go places, when you win the NWA champion, at, at least under the old system, um, you went in and faced the best that each one of those organizations had to offer, because each one of them knew that to be able to have a shot at the NWA World's title was was just as amazing and just as important. And uh, you know, I, I guess probably the the highlight of that was going to Japan and defending it because their their attitude and their respect for not just wrestling, but specifically for the NWA is be, you know, beyond anything that, that we see and see, have seen in the States in a while. Um, that was a great experience, but you know, there were, I think at the time, 42, uh, different NWA franchises. And I went to, I, I went to many of them and defended it, but I was also able to defend it at other shows for other, you know, for other organizations. And, and just at, before we get too far away, you asked me about James Beard and I want to make sure that, that, you know, if you don't mind, let me, cause he had a lot to do with me winning this. And he also had a lot to do with me developing as a, as a world champion, um, you know, has become over the years, one of my best friends and another one, another one of those guys that I can, that I can look at and say has, the, the being able to ride with him and pick his brain and share stories. And, uh, and we've been on the road, you know, in the last five years, I've been on the road more with him than anybody else. Matter of fact, we are again this weekend, but the development of becoming a, a the representative of the NWA and a world champion, a lot of that goes to James because, you know, he would, he, he's very good about saying, you might want to think about this. Or uh, since he was refereeing a lot of those matches, he could say, well, let me, you know, tell me what you were thinking at this place, you know, what, what if you had done this or what if he had done, you know, and that's just part of the process and, and of, of progressing and getting better. And I just, I don't want to get too far away from that uh, without giving him the, you know, the, the respect and the appreciation that he deserves. So anyway, thank you for letting me do that. No problem. James is a great guy. I've known him for a few years and I always know that if I have a question, I can always go to him and, you know, and he'll have the time and he'll answer any questions I've got. But, you know, definitely got to give James his due. 
Now, you mentioned you, know, you got to go to Japan and defend the NWA uh, the title. Um, was that your first trip to Japan at that point? It was. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of us at this point, you know, it, I think there's been, obviously there's always been those top-tier companies over there that, that anybody with any wrestler in the States would love to work for. But most of us, that's a, that's a goal. You know, we want to go work in Japan. We want to, and to be honest, you know, I've had a couple of opportunities to go over there and the money's just so much better. You know, it's, it's just that alone makes it worth going. But, um, that was my first trip. And, uh, I guess my only title defense, uh, if, you know, the world title was, was over there and it was, uh, I got, you know, James went, um, uh, Matt went actually, uh, Matt, Rob Conway, we took a good crew of guys over there and, it was an incredible experience. You know, like I said, it's, you know, here you're here. Hey, you know, that there's the NWA there's, that's the NWA world title over there. It's, it's like you would picture it's people waiting outside the hotel when, you know, when you get out of the cab or get off the bus waiting for you because their respect and, and of the legacy and the history of the NWA world title uh, is unbelievable. And I know even, even like I have my music, but they wanted me to come out to the same, and they, you know, I did, and they wanted me to come out to the same music that, that Harley Race and uh, Dory Funk and those guys came out to, uh, you know, which I sure wasn't going to argue with that because, like you said, I've, I, have a, I have a deep respect for the history of the wrestling business. and Just to get to do that uh, was pretty amazing. I, I was pretty sure I, was, I wrestled a local guy. Okay, I shouldn't say that. I wrestled a Japanese guy who had some MMA experience, was a legitimate uh, sumo wrestler. He weighed over 400 pounds. And I was, I felt in my mind, I was very clearly going to be the heel in this match. And when they played the music and announced as the NWA champion, the place went nuts. And it's because of their respect for the NWA world title. Now I talked about, you know, your first match and your, you know, how you fell walking through the curtain and all that. Japan is a whole different audience and you know, people watch New Japan for wrestling, but they're respectful of the wrestling. You don't see guys out there holding up signs and waving at the cameras and cheering. You know, a lot of times they're quiet, they're silent. And then when you're done with a certain move or a certain move hits or a, or a chain of events, they applaud. It is a total right. different crowd over there. How was that your first match in Japan? And also you're, you're the NWA champion. It, you know, like I, I, coming through the curtain, it, it threw me for a step. Because like I said, I was I was in full mentally I was in full on I'm gonna have to I'm in a full on heel mode and, and these people and, and I walked through the through the curtain and I it was it was pretty amazing. Uh, I'll tell you that for me as as somebody who has watched a lot of uh, Japanese matches, it was the little things that I think I appreciated the most. Uh, you know, things like the the photographers crowding around ringside, uh, you know, and, and you you those little things register during the match, and it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, another is as as we see in a lot of the old the old school matches, the the wrestlers uh, that have all wrestled before come out because they want to and are at at ringside uh, because they want to learn and you know and see. Uh, it's those little things that really that really made me go, all right, that's cool, you know more so than being, you know, in a match. Cause I, I won't say it's just another match, but you know, there's been a lot of matches and that this was, this was different for sure because of the opponent 
Um, and you're right, their reaction to things is, is different. I think I think they're they're becoming a little more westernized because I, I want to say New Japan has become, you know, I, I would almost say they're, I don't know who's actually a bigger company at this point, uh, you know, WWE or New Japan as far as financially and, and fan base because of how many fans they've got over there. But I think they've become more westernized in, in their work now than they have over the, you know, definitely than they were 20 years ago. Uh, so it was kind of a mix of those things, but I knew what to expect, and uh, it, it definitely it did disappoint. If anything, it exceeded those expectations. So it was that was, yeah, that was my first trip, and it was a great experience. And I've had some opportunities to you know to go back and and enjoy enjoy that every time. Now, after you know your run as a champion, you know, you uh, obviously you got past to uh, Nick Aldis, another amazing talent. But you still keep busy. We, we were talking about this earlier. You've got a full-time job, and you still wrestle on the weekends. This is why we had a hard time getting a hold of you. But you're still out there on the weekends, traveling the roads. You know, like I said, you and James. I see a lot of your pictures on Facebook. Uh, you know, always on the road there. But you know, you're still going, and you you know you're an older guy, but you're still going. You know, do you see that well, time coming where you're finally going to be? It's time to maybe you know put away the boots. Cause I know now you're also kind of getting into training and you and James have had some seminars uh, recently, but do you see that road talent or is this something you want to keep doing? That's, that's a really good question. And it's one that I don't, I mean, I'm going to give you the answer, but I struggle with this all the time. I don't want to be that guy, you know, and I'm not, I'm definitely not going to say any names, but I don't want to be that guy who shows up and gets a paycheck because they used to be somebody. Uh, if I can't, and I've def, I've changed my some of my in ring style as far as things that I do and how I approach matches. But if I ever get to the point where where I feel like, or if somebody that I respect comes up and says, "Hey, you know, you might want to take a look at this," I, I want to be the guy that steps down gracefully. Um, but like you said, kind of what we were, you know, what we were kind of going toward. Because James and I joke all the time about, you know, who's going to be, you know, it's a race to the, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a a rocking chair or a wheelchair, but it's a race to see who gets there first. And, you know, we've kind of joked about going out together some, somehow, however that's going to work. And um, so kind of what we've, what we've transitioned to is like you said, we're, we're doing some clinics some training clinics and those kind of things. James and I have become really good friends. Our minds kind of work the same uh, as far as wrestling. Um, we approach things kind of the same way. We both like to teach, you know, you said I have a full-time job. I'm a teacher. Uh, that's, that's kind of in our blood. And I think it's kind of our, it's a kind of our time right now to where, just like I told you with, you know, Matt Bourne and James and Skandar Akbar and Jake Roberts and, and all the guys that I've had, had the honor and the pleasure to kind of sit under the learning tree. It's kind of our time to pass that, pass that down to other people. And, you know, I'm, I'm completely okay with that because we enjoy doing it. And, you know, I think I've, I've, not this weekend, but next weekend, I've got, uh, I'm doing a clinic in uh, San Antonio, and I know James and I have one coming up in Canton, Texas in about a month, you know, so those, that's something we're kind of transitioning to, and that that may, that may be what replaces, you know, being in the ring. I think, you know, it's like you, any pro, a pro athlete, whether it's football or baseball, will tell you after they retire that it, the thing they miss the most is the locker room and the camaraderie and the being, being around all the guys, and uh, you know, that may, we joke and we say, hey, that may fill that, uh, that need that we have. Um, 
without getting there and getting in there and killing or killing ourselves. But uh, at this point, you know, gosh, every time I say, I've been saying for four or five years, it might be time to hang it up, but I'll say that. And then I'll take a booking in December, you know, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, so, you know, at, at some point, yeah, it's going to be time. And I hope that I'm smart enough and um, not too egotistical that I'll know when it's time to say, yeah, I think you've, I think it's time to kind of, you know, to, to, to stop getting in the ring because I never want to be somebody who doesn't represent myself, the business or anything else in the, in the best way possible. All right. Well, you know, unfortunately, as it always goes, when we have a great guest, we're having some great conversation. I know that Glenn's probably watching the clock. We might be getting a little bit close to the end here. So I'm going to pass the mic back over to him for just the last few minutes of our, our show. Okay, we're going to wrap things up here. Yeah, we are right at the uh, the, the top of the hour. We went another Broadway. It was a, a, an easy Broadway because the conversation was so good uh, this week. And it was a pleasure having uh, you on, uh, Tim. And uh, yeah, if any any time down the road uh, for a future appearance at Ron Rasslin Memories, maybe we'll get you uh, and uh, James Beard together for an episode of Rasslin Memories then and now and just uh, throw out a few topics and let you two... Uh, you know, talk about the, the life of traveling partners and friends, man. That, I think that would be just uh, the gold stuff where I would just sit back and enjoy the stories. Well, guys, you know, Glenn, Mike, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate that. And it's been a pleasure to talk with you. For Tim Storm and the Grizzled Vet Mike McCurdy, you've been listening to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now. So long. <laughs>